values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Uh, you ever had a band that just made you happy? Van Halen just makes me happy. I just love this band. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to do a music podcast. That's it. It's over. I'm just going to rant and rave about music. People disagree with me about politics, and we argue. We can argue about music, especially when you say you hate something or you don't think something is as good as everybody else does. As long as you let me talk about U2. You can talk about U2. I think U2 is legendary. There's no doubt about how legendary that band is. Good. We agree. I said something on the air one afternoon, knowing that it was going to be controversial about music when I was doing afternoons. I said, I'm going to say something that's going to be controversial. I had no idea the firestorm I was starting. Let me tell you what I said. I said, Jimi Hendrix is overrated. <laughs> and look, Jeff Munn, Jeff Munn just physically. I was just going to jump in with something. Did you ever hear the quote of Eddie Van Halen? A guy asked him one time, how does it feel to be the world's greatest guitarist? And he, Eddie Van Halen said, I don't know. Ask Roy Clark. Ask Roy Clark, which, again, if you, is pretty a legitimate thing. But I, I said, agree with him. I like Jimi Hendrix music because I like that genre of music. Yeah. But I, he wasn't my favorite. And when I said he was overrated, I had guitar players in this town tell me what a complete moron I am. I couldn't believe how angry I made people by saying that. Think about this. Back in the late 60s, Jimi Hendrix opened for the Monkees. Yeah. Yes. Isn't that just like, yes. okay, that doesn't quite match up? Yeah. That's hilarious. I saw, I saw Bon Jovi open for the Scorpions. You lost me there because I don't, I've never listened <laughs> to much okay, of the score. Right. That was just, that's a little bit of a twist. That would not happen now. It would be the other way around. Anyway, enough music history. I apologize for those that turned in for real content. Um, <laughs> more of my mind and my musings of stuff. Um, I apologize. We do got some serious things to talk about in this hour. Did you hear this is going to happen at 1120? But um, Goldman. Warning of a big surge in jobless claims. Here was, we all knew this. One of the big criticisms, I think it was the head of the Fed that was asked, what would he say to the million of, the million people that are going to lose jobs because of what they're doing? And his response was, we have to take into consideration, or the three million people that are going to lose jobs, whatever the number was. And his response was, what about all of the people, the hundreds of millions of people that are going broke because of inflation? Basically saying we are going to have to sacrifice some financially for the greater good of all, which is a very difficult position to be in. But how the, the trick has always been, how do you not trigger a massive recession? It took a long time to recover from the 08, 09 recession that we were in. Um, there were a lot of people that lost everything. Businesses, my business went under, but part of that, most of that was my fault. Um, but it was during, it was because of the loss of work. Um, for people out there that have never started a business, it is weird. Um, it's a strange thing because you you love it like a child almost. In other words, it's not just a business to you. It, it, smart people run it as just a business. But most of the time when you have a small business, you're invested emotionally in that business and its success and the people. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's, it was an accurate thing for me. I put my name on the business. I wanted people to know my name was on it, and so I was going to stand behind my work, which I still don't think was a bad thing. But I made a lot of bad decisions that I, if I had had, if I had been thinking clearly, I might not have made. Um, 
But you've go, you are going to see people financially fall through the cracks. I'm going to give you some headlines that going together are scary. Um, Goldman warns of shocking surge in tomorrow's initial uh, jobless claims. Uh, Small businesses file for bankruptcy at a record pace, uh, surpassing the COVID crash. Layoffs are up nearly fivefold so far this year with tech companies leading the way. Um, There is at least one more I want you to hear. Bank failures, high inflation, rising rates. Um, Banks could begin canceling lines of credit soon. Stocks have not looked this unattractive since 2007. Um, The one thing that has been propping up uh, this economy in the minds of some has been that there were jobs available, that there are people out there within the sound of my voice probably doing it right now that are doing everything they can to keep their heads above water. That whether you got a side hustle, if you're you know driving a, a rideshare driver, a delivery driver, um, taking a side hustle somewhere here or there, just in order to keep your head above water, um, it's it's tough. And when those jobs begin to dry up, people fall through the cracks financially. And it's difficult when it's hardworking people. There are small businesses that uh, yesterday the big headline was small businesses are more fearful of inflation now than they've ever been. That we are seeing, and and so when municipalities do things to make things more expensive, when the federal government does things to make things more expensive, it's difficult. And every they say it's you know so it's a couple of pennies here for an individual, but in the end it's this huge amount of money for the cities and states. Nancy Pelosi questioning people's uh, patriotism or or the the democracy of our country because they don't want to pay more in taxes. Um, Reagan became became Ronald Reagan. Uh, with his stance on the economy and basically saying the government get, needs to get out of the way. In this current crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem, is the fam- one of Reagan's famous quotes. Um, and that mindset, I think, and it's, you know, there are certain things that you still advocate for. There are certain things that are necessary. If I were the ruler of this city in Phoenix, public safety would be first and foremost. We would not have to have uh, bonds or anything else passed in order to fully fund public safety. The first thing the city would do with whatever money it had from its citizens would we would fund public safety. The police and the fire department in the city that I was in charge of would have every penny it needs to hire the right people. People, hire enough people, have the equipment that they need to do their jobs. Response times from the fire department would not be near 10 minutes. We would make sure they were fully functioning and fully staffed. Police response times wouldn't be going up. We'd have proactive policing, well-trained cops on the streets doing an excellent job. I would That would be first and foremost what they did. Working on the roads and making sure the roads in our city are maintained so that people can get to work. I would make sure that was job number two. All of the other worthwhile things that cities do sometimes would be left to the voters. If you need a bond issue and you want to raise some money at the city, let's vote on whether or not we're going to uh, plant trees or buy art or do whatever it is else we're going to do. That should be the citizens of the city because that is the um, the feeling of the city. That is the atmosphere of the city. That is us putting our, 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 our foot forward. And it's like how you would decorate your house. It's, it's how you make it livable. 
I think those are all worthwhile things. But those are the things the citizens should be negotiating on. The non-negotiables should be a fully funded public safety, fully funded roads being fixed, infrastructure. That should be what's done by the cities and the states, and it should be done best. And then from there, let each individual town. You know, Gilbert should be able to do what they do. When you go to downtown Mesa, it's a fun area. They got the statues and stuff downtown. It's quaint. Old Town Scottsdale. Everybody has their own identity. And let the citizens of that city move in that direction. But public safety and infrastructure should be exactly what the city fully funds. And then we say, all right, now we've spent all our money on the necessities. If we want to raise with a little bit of a sales tax or something over here, now we're going to pitch to the citizens of our city, this is what we want to do. We want to plant trees here or we want to do this here. We want to build that over there. Um, and let the citizens decide whether or not they want to pay for that. That would be the city I would run. Coming up in a moment, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. We call it Did You Hear This? So hang out. It's coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, time to catch you up on the big headlines. Did you you hear this? My allergies are Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Lawmakers in Nashville are under pressure to tighten gun laws after a shooting at a private elementary school. Representatives are looking at a bill that would put more officers in schools. Tennessee State Representative Justin Jones said that this bill would not receive his vote. I talked to thousands of students and not one of them said, this is what we want. And I think that we as elected officials have a moral responsibility to listen to these young people who are on the front lines, who are terrified, who are here crying and pleading for their lives. Does this bill address the root cause of school shootings or is it just a preventative measure? It's both. I think that um, these maniacs that kill people are predators, and predators go after the weakest prey. When you have gun-free zones, you don't have the ability to fight back against the predator. So it is one line of defense. There has to be all of the other things, whether it's lack of access for outsiders to get onto campuses, that's a part of it. Also, realizing that a lot of these are being done by people that are familiar with the places they're shooting up, that we are looking for the signs and intervening before someone does the wrong thing. But anybody that thinks that armed personnel on a campus is the wrong way to go, try to get into a corporate headquarters somewhere. Try to get in somewhere where a member of Congress is giving a speech or the president of the United States. Is it wrong to protect them because they've got people around them with guns? So you're telling me that it's the wrong thing to do to protect our children the same way we protect those things? It makes no sense. It's an anti-gun message instead of an anti-crime message, and I just disagree with a new report from NPR analyzes how America's roadways have become deadlier since the COVID-19 pandemic. The traffic fatality rate jumped during the lockdowns, and even now, with traffic mostly back to normal, people are still dying at a rate about 18% higher than four years ago. Have you felt unsafe driving around the valley? Um, I don't know that I feel unsafe, but I have seen some people act very 
act like idiots. Uh, Bike Week is here, and I own a motorcycle, so I've ridden for a long, long time. Um, I was driving on the 101, on the north part of the 101, driving westbound going home, and there was a couple on two different bikes, and they didn't appear to me to be people that were familiar with riding motorcycles. And the uh, guy was in front of the girl on the bikes, and he cut off a truck that was in front of me, and I mean almost got hit, and I couldn't believe how close it was to a crash. But he left, I'm assuming it was his wife, in the other lane by herself. She proceeded to cut me off going across the way, and they just looked like they weren't familiar. So there are situations that happen, and you think, man, that was a close call. But I don't feel unsafe, but I definitely feel like I always have to be very aware. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines. Mexico's President Obrador is sending a letter to President Xi Jinping asking him to do what he can to stop the shipment of chemical components of fentanyl to Mexico. It comes after increased pressure from U.S. officials who say that most American fentanyl is coming from Mexico. Obrador denies that fentanyl is produced in Mexico, but it's widely believed, though, that most U.S. fentanyl is made in Mexico from Chinese-made chemicals. And Obrador does actually mention exports of fentanyl further down in his letter, asking him to stop shipments. Will this letter fall on deaf ears? I don't... I don't know. I, I hate answering a question that way. Um, I don't think I, I don't think that China is concerned with what's happening in the U.S. I don't know if intervention from the Mexican president will help, but he has made this promise to Senator Cinema. I do think it's a step in the right direction when a nation's leader is talking to another nation's leader about a common problem. I hope that the Chinese would see this as a bad thing and want to intervene and try to crack down on people from their country. So let's be honest. If the Chinese have to crack down on the citizens from China that are sending this poison to Mexico to be concocted, we have to then in our country crack down on the Americans that are a part of the distribution. This has got to be all countries, all hands on deck, and that is the approach that's going to make a dent in this. Mobile home residents are facing eviction, and Phoenix City Council member Carlos Garcia is upset that Mayor Gallego did not allow comments during a public meeting. I never thought this was coming. You actually caught me off guard, Mayor. This is... This was even lower than than you've ever gone before. Was the council wrong to deny public commentary? No, they've been allowing public commentary for a very long time on this issue. This is not new to the people that live in these trailer parks, to the city of Phoenix, and to the people that own this land. This is an issue that they have been working on for years. The people were on notice. There was public input at meetings. This has now come to the end of the line, and the people that never did anything about finding somewhere else to go are now panicking, and that doesn't mean that the city is going to delay it anymore. There's not much that the city can do, and demonizing members of the city council in this regard is not the right thing to do either. All right, that's Did You Hear This for Another Day. Man, are we a miserable pair or what, Julia? Julia can't breathe out of her nose. She's talking like she's holding her nose. I can't get through a sentence. The whole thing and let Jeff finish the show. I have the same thing going on. Oh, it's horrible. I sat in Bay Area weather for three days last week with a twenty mile an hour breeze blowing right at me. I um, can you tell? Yes, I can. <laughs> My allergies are so bad, and I complain about this all the time. I am allergic to allergy medicine. Oh, I don't. I hate taking allergy. I can't medicine. take it. I am allergic to it, so I'm stuck with that neti pot, which works but is gross and um, and suffering. So, and poor Julia walked in this morning. She can't. If if you covered her mouth, she'd die. She can't breathe through her nose. 
Adorable. I, I'm pretty close to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was that weather up there last weekend was awful. Well, here's the problem. You've got the voice that everybody wishes they had. So all it does is make your deep voice deeper. Well, there so, is that. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you're not going to get sympathy here. <laughs> all right. We've done enough complaining. Coming up in a moment. Is the city council's job to stop development? We just heard a little clip from Carlos Garcia. Do you think the city of Phoenix should be doing more? We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right. I get it. Like Wesley Snipes said, you can't hear Jimmy. And uh, um, apparently I can't either. I mean, I like this song. All Along the Watchtower, another good song. But uh, it's not on my playlist. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> if you missed earlier why we're playing Jimi Hendrix, uh, go back and listen to the podcast and send me your nasty emails. Um, I want to talk about uh, the story. You can't um, – this is the back and forth of uninformed politics. And let me explain. I'm going to read the beginning of this. And I'm not upset with the writer of this story. I'm talking about the people who developed the narrative, certainly not the person that's commenting on it. Dozens of mobile home residents facing eviction blasted Phoenix Mayor Kate Gallego and other elected leaders after they refused to let them speak during a public meeting Wednesday. Um, How many of you, if you are parents, and if you're not a parent, how many of you remember being an annoying small child? Do you remember when your child would ask you for something and you would tell them no? And then two minutes later, they would ask you again. And then they would ask you again. And when they couldn't get you to say yes, they went to your spouse and tried to get them to say yes. And or they would tug on you. How many mothers out there have had a child that tugs on their on their clothing? Mom, 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 mom. After a while, you realize you've been told 15 times it's not going to happen. Um, What's happening here in the reality of what's happening here is there has been a long drawn out process of land um, near Grand Canyon University where these trailer parks are. Um, the council voted five to four to ban public comment and five to four against considering a development moratorium. Um, it drew the ire of the public. We're about to be homeless. Our kids are going to sleep in a car. You can't even bear to listen to us, one woman yelled. I can't believe it. Look at me, Kate Gallego. Cowards, they were shouting um, at this meeting. But this has been a process that's gone on for a long time. The council previously shot down the moratorium. Two weeks ago, during an emotional, contentious meeting, um, State Senator Anna Hernandez said she would be making her priority in the legislature to curtail Phoenix City Council's power. Um, so... Um, uh, Mayor Gallego called the move a political stunt and reiterated that the moratorium would not safeguard families because it was not a ban on evictions, but rather a ban on developing the mobile home park land for other purposes, which likely would run afoul of state law. Um, so one of the members in the audience said, we're not as stupid as you think we are. We know it's not going to keep us from getting evicted. Um, at the end of the meeting, they told the mayor that she had trained door knockers to help win her votes and she was uh, and and uh, and that he was disappointed in her. Um, the problem with this narrative is we all understand 
affordable housing, attainable housing is difficult in the valley. But you cannot stop other people from doing what they desire to do with their land. It was legally obtained and legally purchased, and the people living on that land that are renting were given ample notice that they would have to leave at some point because that land was going to be developed for something else. I'm not heartless in saying any of this. If any, if you're new, if you've never heard me talk on this show before, you're missing out because I have a heart for homelessness. It's a it's it is a desperate situation. I would like to. Cure. I think that there is a lot that needs to be done to help people attain housing. But when you're talking about development and people giving ample notice, I want you to think about this. Whoever it is, and put yourself in their shoes, you spend a lot of money on a piece of property. And that piece of property has people living on it that have been renting there for a while. But you are going to use that property for something else. So you go to the people years before it happens, a long time before it happens, and you say to them there is a timeline in which you are going to have to find someplace else to live. And we're going to A, give you time, and B, we're going to help you if you need help to get that for you. We don't want to just put you out on the street. We're giving you a time frame. And the people say, um, and so the people wait and they don't do anything and they go to the city and they try to stop you from developing a, developing a piece of property you've paid for. And they go back and there's public comment and the people comment and the city says what you want us to do, we cannot do. We can't do it. It violates the law. We are going to run afoul of state law. So let we can't do it. And then a couple of weeks later, they come back and they make the same demands again. At some point, the city council has to say, you are barking up the wrong tree here. There's nothing we can do. And you shouldn't have waited until this time and then blame us because you're going to be put out. I, I, I'm not heartless on why I'm not heartless. I, I do feel for the people that are good, but you can't run to a governing government body and say you have to violate people's right to private property. Because we dragged our feet because we said we didn't want someone else to do this. I'm sorry. That's just not the way the world works. And this goes back to these issues we have when we talk about homelessness and, and, and the zone and law enforcement, not enforcing laws because people are homeless. I'm, I'm not being heartless when I say this, that you've got to enforce the laws. You wouldn't allow me to relieve myself in public. You can't tolerate it when someone else does it. I couldn't openly do drugs in the street. If you saw me with a syringe, if you saw me with drug paraphernalia, I would be, if not arrested, I would certainly get a a, a notice to appear and have to go to court and explain myself. I would at some level be arrested. Prostitution in the streets, violence against each other, and they're allowing this to happen because of people's economic status? That doesn't make any sense. And so then you've got to figure out who wants help and who doesn't. And then the ones that want help, get him help immediately. And the ones that don't want help, figure out how you find a way for them to live without it being a hindrance to the uh, commerce and to the lives of other people. That's not insensitive at all. And it isn't insensitive here to say that the people that own this land have waited much longer than most people would. If you were going to build a home and you went out and bought a piece of property 
and got the home designed and we're going to build on it, you would have every right to. But then all of a sudden you find out there's somebody that's renting the house. So before you can remodel it, you've got to move them out of the house. So you say to them, here's the deal. I bought this piece of property. You've got a lease that ends in eight months. At the end of this lease, I'm not renewing your lease. And you're going to have to go live somewhere else. And at the end of that, as the lease approaches, that person that's renting your house goes to a governing body, the city or whoever, and says, I don't want to leave this house. I've been renting this house for five years. I've never been late with my rent. My kids go to the school district here. We don't want to move. We want you to tell these people that own this house they have to continue to rent me this property. And you say, well, we can't do that. And they come back and they ask you again and they ask you again. And finally you say, you've got to move next week. And we're done with public comment on this issue. You would say, absolutely, I've waited eight months for this piece of property. It it's just doesn't make sense. What's happening? It doesn't make sense. Uh, we're going to talk about some good news in a moment. Um Something that is happening today that's making everybody feel good. We'll get on it coming up here in just one moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, just about done with the show. We had an interview this morning at 835. I talked to Derek Hall. He is the president and CEO of the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks home opener is today. Opening day of baseball season is always a big deal for sports fans. Um, It's funny that people talk about baseball and it needs to change, and they are changing. It was an interesting interview about the World Baseball Classic and what they've learned and how they're speeding up the game and how to get fans more interested. And of all the years that Derek has been with the Diamondbacks, every time I talk to him about the team, whether it's on the air, off the air, when we get to talk, he's always excited. And it's kind of an infectious energy. And I really hope, and he believes that if it's not this year, it's going to be next year, but they are very, very close to being a playoff team and challenging. And that's exciting for me. I want to see this organization succeed, as do most people. I am a Diamondbacks fan. I've been here for 20 28 years. I've been here since the very inception of the Diamondbacks. Um, it is terrific. I was not at Game 7 of the World Series when they won it all, but I was downtown right after the game celebrating with other people in the city. It is not very often that the game itself isn't the center of attention. And what I like about this is at the risk of overshadowing um, the home opener for the team – The Arizona Diamondbacks are having Phoenix police officer Tyler Maldivan throw out the first pitch tonight. Um, Tyler's story, I should say Officer Maldivan. I want to be disrespectful because I don't know him. But Officer Maldivan's family, his wife and his family deserve – So much credit for the prayers and the things and the belief that they had and the way they've conducted themselves. But this story, Tyler Maldivan, if you don't know the story, was gunned down. He didn't even have time to pull his service weapon. And I'm going to give you some details of how gruesome this was just so you understand the miraculous recovery this young man has made. Um, He was gunned down by someone at point blank range. And the suspect, the young suspect, and Tyler is uh, – uh, Officer Maldivan was a rookie police officer. Um, the gunman shot Officer Maldivan and uh, rendered him helpless and then stood over him and shot him and emptied the magazine into his vest and into his body. I believe he was shot eight times. And then after 
the gun was empty, the suspect tried to take the weapon out of Officer Maldivan's holster and was going to shoot either at Officer Maldivan Moore or at the cops that were coming to assist Officer Maldivan. Those are the facts. He was shot eight times. And um, we had the Phoenix police chief and her command staff at the time, it was Jerry Williams, in studio right after this happened. And um, these were seasoned officers, every single one of them with well over 20 years experience in policing. And I don't think any of them had seen anything like the body camera video of what happened here. And they did not hold out. Now, none of them were counting him out. They would be would never disrespect someone and do that. But they talked about how badly he was injured, preparing people for what was probably going to happen, which would be that this young man didn't make it. His family said very, very early on, we're putting this in God's hands and we're going to continue to pray. And there were prayer vigils in front of this. And I don't know if you believe in miracles like I believe in miracles. It's the, we do a big Q poll question of the day with Gatos every day. That's the poll question. Today, do you believe it was a true miracle? You can go to KTAR.com and weigh in. But it was miraculous that this young man survived, never mind to recover to the point he is. It shows the strength he has. It shows the will he has. And it's a story for the entire community to celebrate because we always hear how we don't always. We hear so many times that these circumstances end in a horrible way where a young wife is widowed at a young age and parents are burying their children and fellow cops are going to another funeral. In this case, that didn't happen. So this young man who has fought back, I think it was a couple of years ago in December, this young man has fought back to a point where he will be at the game this evening and will be throwing out the first pitch. That is a success story, and um, I'm sure it will be everywhere. If you aren't going to go to the game, I'm sure it will be on Center and otherwise, because this is one of those stories that is once in a lifetime. And uh, congratulations to the Diamondbacks and, and for Derek Hall for thinking of this and allowing this to be the highlight that the community can give this officer and the people in the stadium can give this officer through a round of applause and the cheers, the love and respect that his family deserves. I think this is one of the best sports stories I've ever heard, um, and I'm glad it's ending well. Uh, we're just about out of time, which means it's I'm going to pitch you on social media. At Broomhead KTAR is where you can find me on Twitter. By the way, you can you can hear the interview with Derek Hall on the podcast if you want to go back and listen to it. So at Broomhead uh, KTAR is my personal Twitter handle. At Broomhead Show is the show account. And Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram, is where you can find me on social media. Back tomorrow at just about 8 o'clock. Have a great day. God bless.